All right, welcome. The prodigal son has returned. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Shot Callers podcast, <laughs> the Shot Caller show. I see you smiling, Kyle. <laughs> my name is Rich. I got my man Robin. I got Kyle here. How you doing, Kyle? We're doing good. I'm doing good. Robin, how, how about, about you? How you doing this evening? I'm great, man. I'm great. We're Glad here to have you back. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we're back to recap another TNT weekend. A TNT weekend feels like the weekend because it's so much fun. TNT uh, pair of games for you guys: the Mavericks versus the Sixers and the Bucks versus the New Orleans Pelicans. But first, before we get uh, dive straight into that, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Thank you guys for tuning in on YouTube. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for liking the show, commenting. We love to interact. Just ask us on Twitter. Uh, and if you want to follow the show, follow the podcast. Tell your friends to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, uh, Radio.com, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, anywhere that podcasts can be sold. As uh, Robin said last week, we can be found. Please follow us on our updated <laughs> social media tags. We've been very, very active. I've been tweeting. Robin's been tweeting. Kyle's been tweeting a mm. lot. Uh, and that's mm. going to be at Shot Caller Show. <laughs> that is at Shot Caller Show. And it's the same on both tags. Shout out to Robin or Kyle for hooking us up with, uh, you know, some synchronicity on that front. Uh, and yeah, yeah. if you notice this week's uh, pair of tweets that came just before the game, uh, we actually predicted who we thought was going to win each one. And we're going to have kind of a rotating or a, a weekly kind of tally as to who can keep the mm. most picks. And whoever loses at the end of the month or the end of the... Yeah, the month. Yeah, at the end of the month. Well, uh, we can do a season. We're going to... No, yeah, not yeah. season. That's too, that's too much. Nah. We, yeah, we yeah, need, yeah, we need some ongoing content here. So mm-hmm. we need at the end of the month, February is going to roll into March because there's going to be a little break in March anyway. And we're going to have mm-hmm. some sort of payoff for who, who the biggest loser is. So stay tuned for that. That's some fresh content teasing. For <laughs> uh, so without any further ado, uh, Philadelphia taking on the Dallas Mavericks in Philadelphia. The loudest empty arena that I have ever heard. There were yeah, so the the cheers <laughs> and the jeers were so loud. There were probably a hundred total people built uh, people in the building. That's including both teams. But anyway, Dallas is at 500 uh, entering the game. Philadelphia is at the top of the Eastern Conference, only one game ahead of the Brooklyn Nets in the loss column. They were tied in the win columns before mm-hmm. tonight. Dallas had won mm-hmm. seven of their last ten, playing hot. However, they were missing mm-hmm. Chris Porzingis, who they were missing for this game as well. Uh, and they had just toppled Boston off of some Luka magic. A couple of threes mm-hmm. that I know, uh, you know, the whole world saw at Sports Center, if not watching yeah, the game yeah. live, um, mm-hmm. coming back in the clutch from the Luka spot, the left wing three, uh, and seeing if they could catch Golden State for the eighth seed. That You know what eighth seed means? That means home court advantage in the play-in tournament. That's what Dallas mm-hmm. is playing for because they're currently not in the regular playoffs. Anyway, going into the game, can I say it was a rock fight? It was a rock fight. They were shooting like 33% from the floor. Yeah. It was bricks everywhere on both sides. The Sixers pick and roll defense was swallowing up the Mavericks. Luka could not get anything going with Boban Marjanovic. Uh, Boban not being a threat. Uh, you know The ball was uh, swinging wildly from the left side to the right side. A little bit of a lineup change. Some Luka uh, you know, determination, some threes going into the second quarter, third quarter, kind of keeping it close. Dwight Howard dominated Dwight Powell. And it kind of tore the game open going into the fourth <laughs> quarter. It seemed as though they were kind of within striking distance, but uh, just, to, yeah. just to show you how the game went, the Mavericks were down going into the fourth quarter. Luka, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons never entered the game. It was never close enough yeah. for them to come back. Mm-hmm. The Sixers ended up taking down the Mavericks 111-97. to However, in that third or fourth quarter, it, didn't, it wasn't even quite that close. As entertaining as it was, and I think there's going to be a lot to unpack, uh, what is the most burning on your mind. I guess we'll start with Robin here at the bottom. I usually go yeah. to Kyle first. Uh, turnovers, man. Mavericks had 22 turnovers. You can't win a game when you have 22 turnovers. You're giving them free points, especially to the 76ers, who are the number one fast break, fast break team in the league. Um, that's just not going to go hand in hand. And I think the Mavericks kind of blew this game away in a sense. I think the 76ers did enough to win the game, but with 22 turnovers, you're not going to win many NBA games. Uh, yeah, turnovers are a big thing, and just the physical, imposing presence of their gigantic guards, you know, Ben Simmons, 
Joel yeah. Embiid's amazing presence around the rim, especially. Um, lobs or passes that would no- normally be around bodies, like yeah, in traffic, Luka's really great at, at snaking the ball around people to get, you know, to crafty spots for Maxi Kleber or to Dwight Powell. He has to throw them upward above Joel Embiid's head to, to Boban. There was only one path, which was up, yeah. which gives people to, time to recover, gives Joel Embiid time to recover and make the shot hard for guys like Josh Richardson, guys like Boban, guys like Dwight Powell, mm-hmm. Willie Cauley-Stein. And we know how great he is, how great he is at using his length. That's just one example of it. Ben Simmons getting two hands on the driving Mavericks uh, offensive player's dribble multiple times. Jalen Brunson a couple times. He actually ripped him straight up like it was NBA Street. Uh, And, like, (laughs) it was was awesome to see at the physicality. What did you have Hmm. to to contribute here, uh, Kyle? Want to talk more about turnovers or something different? Nah, uh, just... Emphasizing uh, the 76ers defense, they were great. Like, obviously, they caused a lot of turnovers, but just uh, causing a lot of def- deflections. Uh, ben Simmons, like, he terrorizes cards. Like, at, at this point, you know, we saw like last week or a couple weeks ago when uh, uh, Ben Simmons was guarding Damian Lillard in the fourth quarter. Like, mm-hmm. his size uh, just causes so much trouble for for. A lot of these guards are so many guards and it's just hard for them to deal with and then obviously luca uh he had some trouble dealing with it as well and just the all-around t- team defense uh you know you say uh, joel Embiid, also uh uh matisse Thibel, uh you know they're all great defensively and and it was a team effort yeah only in for spot minutes matisse one of my favorite youtubers and mm-hmm. nba players got his start <laughs> in the bubble uh but man, YouTubers? yeah, yeah, he's got he's got the uh, goal that we're after. He's got that that three. silver play icon for getting oh. to a hundred thousand subscribers when he was vlogging in the bubble. We'll get there though, uh. with our fans' help, with that subscribe and like button, we we too <coughs> can be there. Uh, anyway, yeah, man, like I have in my notes right here, Ben Simmons is fucking huge <laughs> because yeah, yeah. Luca is not the same size as almost anyone. He's either bigger than his defender or a little smaller than them because he plays like a forward but kind of guard kind of style. Mm-hmm. Kind of like James Harden, kind of mm-hmm. hard to match up with. Ben Simmons looking big and strong, like right up, right up yeah. on Luca. Hard yeah. to dribble around, yeah. but fast enough, you yeah. know, fast enough to keep up with him. It was definitely mm-hmm. a, a sight to see. Uh, I, I, we've been saying a lot about the Sixers so far. I wanted to give a big shout out without looking at his stat line immediately. Jalen Brunson. He did have some turnovers and some plays that kind of went awry at certain points, especially in the third quarter. But for the most part, when Luka was on the bench, Jalen Brunson kind of kept them in the game, kept the Mavericks kind of close. And there was one really indicative, um, one one play that was really indicative of that. It was a moment where uh, I believe Josh Richardson missed a three. Tim Hardaway Jr. got the offensive rebound, but kind of didn't know what to do with it. He was kind of shuffling backwards to the three-point line, and he was going to shoot. And you can see him say, don't shoot. He's in the corner. He's in the top corner of the screen. And he's, don't shoot. Give the ball to Josh Richardson. So he gives the ball to Josh Richardson. Then he points at Willie Cauley-Stein. He's like, Willie Cauley-Stein, go set a pick. So he goes to set a pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jalen Brunson never tips the ball. But they run a pick and roll, snake to the rim. And Josh Richardson scores an and one. And that doesn't happen unless Jalen Brunson is aware. And he's a point guard. He's supposed to you know, yeah, orchestrate yeah. the offense. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what he did. He said, you better quit and run an actual play instead of shooting this. And so just little things like that are small, like intangible things, in this case, tangible, that make me confident. Um, mm-hmm. But I, if the Mavericks can't get a more consistent scoring threat, especially for the bench units, yeah. even when the yeah. playoffs roll around, when when lineups tighten up, I wonder how it's going to work because – They've been, like I said, they've been hot, but when you play the t- the cream of the crop, it's tough, and you're going to need a lot of contributions like that from a lot of people. And I don't think they got very much else from that many people. Uh, anybody stand out to you, Robin? On the Mavericks, uh, on the Mavericks I was going to say Tim Hardaway. Uh, as much as I <laughs> don't like how much he shoots and the way he shoots, he just, as you said, as he was going to back up and just chunk up a random three, he did go five for eight today, two for four from the three-point line. That efficient scoring off the bench is going to be important for the Mavs, along with Jalen Brunson, who I love as a floor general. I loved him since college. I think that was a steal for the Mavericks in the draft. Um, those two are going to have to step up on the bench, uh, especially when Luka goes to the bench. They're going to need someone to keep them afloat, keep them close in games, keep the lead, or you know, kind of cut the deficit down. So I kind of like Tim Hardaway's performance today. Uh, especially better than when he's shooting like 0 for 11 on other nights. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, 
one thing that was a little troubling because uh, this, this, this is a real test. When you see a physical mm-hmm. team that can win in multiple ways like the Sixers, can the Mavericks stack up? And they didn't have Chris Porzingis. I said that at the very top of the yeah. show. But they put in Trey Burke, and that man is teeny tiny. It's just unfortunate. Yeah. The Mavericks love teeny tiny guards, mm-hmm. and they had Jalen Brunson and, Al- and Trey Burke mm-hmm. out there at the same time. And with his you know physical walking gait, it's hard for him to get around physical defenders that have long strides like Tobias Harris, who's playing good defense, mm-hmm. was noted and shouted out by, I think, Reggie Miller in this game too. Um, <coughs> you know, we mentioned all the other great defenders on the team, on the squad, Joel Embiid as well. Uh, it's hard for him to penetrate, and they've got and those are some towering dudes. The Lakers have towering dudes as well. Uh, it's going to yeah. be hard for him to finish, and I wonder what sort of acquisitions can be made before the trade deadline on March 25th. And the Sixers, this is a great win for them. Uh, even though the Mavericks are the ninth seed, they played a, a little bit, you know, uh, resilient. But they only got six mm-hmm. six points, I believe, out of Tobias Harris, who's averaging 21 points. So that guy's really come around this season and pretty crazy that he had almost a no-show and they still won convincingly and mm-hmm. handsomely. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, uh, I believe Tobias Harris went out of the game. Uh, he had, like, some knee pain or, or something like that. Yeah, Brisnia. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that's that's why he didn't get many minutes. And then also, yeah, I, I was going to hit on that uh, further because not only did Tobias Harris not have, you know, like, the greatest game, but, you know, Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid, you know, they, they didn't go crazy in scoring. Like, uh, Embiid had 25, which is a good stat line. But this season, he's been going for, like, like 29. Uh, he's averaging about 30 yeah. points a game. So yeah. it's below his, yeah. his season average. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then same with Ben Simmons. Like, they didn't really get killed by one single person. Like like I said earlier, uh, it was a team effort on defense, and it was the same on offense. Uh, I mean, Ben Simmons was doing his thing, like, on, on assisting. But but uh, scoring wise, it will spread pretty evenly. And then also for Dallas, you know they they really miss. Uh, I I believe they miss uh, uh, Steph Curry or I mean not Steph Curry, Seth Curry, uh, giving him away. Like uh, for Josh Richardson, we're we're just trying to see if it'll all end up working out with uh, Josh Richardson. But uh, Seth Curry, you know, it turns out to be a pretty valuable piece so far. We. Dallas misses his offense. Yeah, definitely. And I feel as though, uh, and I'm not an NBA coach, I don't know if that's obvious to y'all, I feel like Josh Richardson uh, (laughs) could use a higher usage rate. And it's tough when you have Mm -hmm. someone that uses the ball uh, as often as Luka Doncic does. But I I feel like there's more to be unlocked. And you Mm -hmm. can see it in Philadelphia last season when he just wanted the ball a little more and he liked how much he was getting in Miami before that. He seemed kind of out of sorts. And this season, he kind of comes and goes. He has a lot of of times where he'll string together two or three awesome plays in a row, whether it be a three and and one or even a steal. Mm -hmm. But then he just drifts away for long periods at a time. He's not putting up inefficient shots, so he doesn't draw a lot of someone's ire. Like, Robin's not glaring at at Josh Richardson. Uh, But... You know, I feel like there's more that could be done there, and and I think he deserves a starting spot, but I wonder mm-hmm. if he'd be better le- staying in with the bench unit and trying to create mm-hmm. a little more, um, maybe with yeah, with, with Josh Richardson mm-hmm. and Porzingis if Porzingis were to come mm-hmm. back. So that's something that that I think I have an eye on. Who uh, on either team takes your takes the title of the worst performance tonight, or someone that that is drawing your 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 ire? Because I got mine. I don't know if y'all have one in mind. I'll just I'll share first oh. if you want. You can go first. I'll go Dude, next. Dude, Willie Cauley Stein, man. Come on. Like, <laughs> uh, like we're, they're putting him in as a change of pace. Boba Marjanovic is mm-hmm. not working. Uh, Maxi Kleber is not able to keep up with the height and the dominance of Joel Embiid. So they're trying to go with a change of pace, have a little bit more speed, and someone that maybe you have to respect rolling to the rim. I'm not even going to mention the other big man that's in the in the Dallas rotation right now. Uh, his his name is the same as Dwight Howard's, but uh, yeah, man. So he goes in the, he goes in the game and just some careless sloppy plays, like not putting two hands on the ball on entry passes to the mm-hmm. post, uh, letting a rebound get away from him, go out of bounds. Those are the things that that take a 13 point game towards like an eight point game and can keep a team in it. And you know, not to mention when Luca was still in the game at, towards the end of the third quarter, Willie Collins Stein, Willie Stein <clears throat> lackadaisically is dribbling with his left hand to go towards a dribble handoff for Luca. They get it kind of jammed up with him and Brunson, and Ben Simmons like a shark, like he's just, I'm there. He stalks him right there, and then it leads to I believe a Ben Simmons dunk or a Joel Embiid fast break dunk yeah. getting ripped yeah. 
off just a casual dribble that he doesn't protect his body because he's not aware of, mm-hmm. of who might be behind him, which is an all-defensive player. You know, all-defensive player in the running will probably get top five votes of defensive player of the year in Ben Simmons. So that's something that just made me angry because he doesn't get <laughs> consistent minutes. And if you want consistent minutes, you can't have plays like yeah. that. So yeah. did, I, did I steal your thunder, Robin? Is that who you were going to say? Yes, to a point. <laughs> I was going to say the whole Mavericks center lineup. Mm-hmm. I think Boban, for he's the nicest guy ever, so I hate criticizing him, but his hands are horrible. He has bricks for hands. This guy can't <laughs> catch nothing. I mean, how are you that tall and you cannot catch nothing? And then you have Collie Stein missing dunks, just playing carelessly, doing like, you know Embiid's going to make the layer for dunk. Why foul him? Just let him get the basket instead of letting him get an and one. Then you have Dwight Powell. That I'm not even gonna talk about him. That's just mm-hmm. you can go ahead and go, Kyle. Dwight Powell just <laughs> takes me off to a whole other level, man. I'm just gonna read his stats real quick before you go, Kyle. Uh, six points, one rebound, one assist, over two from the field, and nothing else of note. Oh, other than his two turnovers, <laughs> yeah, in in just just nine mm-hmm. minutes. So, oof. Yeah. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, they started Boban, and I thought it was kind of kind of a smart idea uh trying to match up defensively with uh, uh Embiid cuz other than Boban like you don't you don't really have a large uh strong center to to really give or just to put match a body a, on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh you know, Chris Apps is, you know, kind of a defensive liability uh especially against a guy like Embiid like that's Embiid probably chicken. has 60 yeah. pounds on him probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh and then other guys just aren't as tall and aren't as strong like like Kleba and and James Johnson. I mean, James Johnson is probably the second best defender for Embiid. J- out there. James Johnson is gets a little shout yeah. out for me because he really turned the tide with his energy yeah. and being able to go with force at guys' bodies with a mm. live dribble and not mm. being able to shoot three. He had a, a, a one big miss, but besides that, yeah. like he was a general po- even without looking at his plus minus. I believe he had a positive impact on the game. So yeah. You just need people uh, that are going to hit people in the mouth against a team like that, and it didn't mm-hmm. seem as though the Mavericks had that. Uh, you were saying, Kyle? Yeah, no, uh, I believe I, I was looking at all the players on Dallas's uh, plus minuses, and I believe his was the only positive one. It was like plus twelve or something, or he almost had twenty along the lines of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe it was eighteen, but uh, yeah, plus I saw, eighteen. You know. Yeah, he he just had like a silly like turnover and stuff, but yeah, he was definitely uh, given energy, and I I believe there are some games like where definitely he uh, he needs to be brought in and and utilized a little more often. I and I I could say that about a couple more guys on on Dallas. Like I feel like Josh Richardson, uh, James Johnson, sometimes Willie Cauley Stein. Like sometimes they, I I believe they're a little underutilized. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought yeah. Rob was about to say something, but I can't yeah. hear him right now. Not sure. No, sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was just saying the lack of center depth is gonna kill the Mavericks. You can do all this. I feel like with KP not knowing if he's gonna play, what games he's gonna play. Mm. I mean, the Mavericks haven't played a game in so long because the storms, and he comes back and says he has back spasms or whatever. And then the other centers, I just when they match up with the Denver or an Anthony Davis or. Rudy Gobert, Rudy especially Gobert. in the West, yeah. I just don't know how are they going to match up. They need size. They can play all this three ball, small ball, but I think that whole small ball era is kind of going away, especially if you want to get past those centers. And effort. I think the Mavericks have done a horrible job at effort this season. They've lost a couple games because of effort. It's just going and getting a loose ball or going and getting that rebound or whatever it is, or running on fast break. They only had seven fast break points today compared to the 76ers 24. Uh, which is, a, which is a testament to the 76ers transition defense. Those guys get back. Yeah. Those guys fill the gaps. So props to them. Not to make this a, a Mavericks like hate fest, but that's the sort of effort that was shown during mm-hmm. a lot of parts of the game. Uh, but we've, we've given praise to, Pretty much every Sixer, except for Danny Green, who did have an, uh, an efficient night tonight, <laughs> I believe. Yeah, yeah, he did. Two for four from the field. He kind of just put it in where he could and, and played great. Tra- mm. he, he is actually their best transition defender. I was just talking about transition defense. Yeah. Look at that guy on the Raptors. Look at him now. That guy knows where to be. He is a very cerebral player, even if he can't dribble in a straight line sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, Danny Green. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, having my notes... Uh... 
back to Joel Embiid, like Joel Embiid only shot 25% from the field on, on 20 shots. Yeah, uh, and that's what made me angry. He had a yeah. kind of, oh, well, his efficiency wasn't all that great, but the mm-hmm. commentary made me angry because he made his first three <laughs> of the game, which was great. Mm-hmm. He missed a three, mm-hmm. and then he missed a couple of two-point mid-rangers, but he's been mm-hmm. money on the two-point mid-rangers. If you guys yeah. have been keeping up with the Shot Caller's yeah. Twitter uh-huh. account, you'll see some important retweets that talk about how good he is from the mid-range. Um, yeah. And he missed him. And then he, he ended up going to the body and, and getting a, a lay in a dunk around Marjanovic or something like that. And Reggie said, it looks like Reggie Miller is like, it looks like Joel Embiid said, uh, I'm tired <laughs> of taking these threes. I'm going to start going to the rim. He only took yeah, two yeah, threes, dog. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, my God. But like, in his defense, Embiid, if he takes more than two to three pointers in a quarter, that's bad. That He's bailing out the defense because nobody can guard him in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, he is bailing out the defense. And that's why I put in my notes, actually, him getting to the free throw line 12 times is what they need for them to get far in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Shots weren't falling, mid-range weren't falling, three-pointers weren't falling, whatever. But get in the get in the paint, your shots won't fall, but you'll get to the free throw line. And unlike Shaq, he can make his free throws, which is scary yeah. to see because if you foul mm-hmm. him and you're like, okay, we'll send him to the line, he's most and- likely going to make him, which is scary because you're not going to be able to stop him. And his mid range is better than Shaq's too. Uh, yeah, that's that's a fact. Yeah. So. What else? Uh, any any closing thoughts on this one before we move on to the uh, second game in our doubleheader, guys? <sighs> Dwight Powell sucks. No. Oh, I, I mean, I I guess my closing thought is uh, 76ers. The more I watch them, the the more uh, convinced I am of them of them getting deep in the playoffs and and. Uh, obviously, you know they're the one seed, so they they should be a favorite to get to the Eastern Conference. But uh, I'm as the more that I watch them, uh, and especially their their suffocating defense, like they they terrorize guards. And so, so I I really want to see them match up with see how they match up with Brooklyn uh, with their defense. Yeah, they terrorize guards and they terrorize anybody that's around seven feet too. Because Dwight Howard was yeah. is still an imposing an imposing mm-hmm. threat. He's still blocking guys in those spot energetic yeah. minutes. Um, and I know we talk about you know the most popular games each week, the Thursday games, because it's the widest audience. But uh, they're winning games, you know, other than the TNT games too. When Ben Simmons isn't in the lineup, they're they're winning with mm-hmm. different lineups, which speaks mm-hmm. to their versatility. It can be a credit to their coaching too, to finding a good system that works no matter who you plug in. Uh, and Joel Embiid is the major the major factor there, of course, as long as he's healthy. But I could definitely see them. Uh, expecting to go to the Eastern Conference Finals this year and not being a question as long as yeah. you know everyone's healthy, which is the unfortunate thing about every single year. Ben Simmons didn't play in the playoffs yeah. last year, uh, mm. so uh, I've been a big fan of Philly for quite a while, ever since the process uh, began, uh, and especially when they unveiled that snake logo for the playoffs one year, <laughs> when they said "Join or Die," you know, to the uh-huh. fans. Man, that was so tight. I was I was so in. I love like American history like that and and the snake thing so cool. <laughs> anyway, uh, Sixers should make it to the Eastern Conference Finals is is my general prediction. Mm-hmm. Oh, and what did we say? Who got it right, Robin, on, on the picks this week? All of us. All yeah. three of us picked the Sixers. All three yeah. of us. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. a sweep. And it was the Sixers plus four and a half or minus four and a half. Is that what it was? Yeah, I think it yeah, was yeah. Uh, minus four. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the Sixers had to win by by more than four to cover, and they did, yeah. and so we're all tied as far as that game goes. Yeah, yeah, they won by like seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't tough at all. <laughs> the second half. All right, so that'll do it for the Sixers and the Mavericks. If you guys have anything that you think that we missed from this game, if you guys caught it or a particular storyline that you want to hear our thoughts on, please let us know. Uh, you can always send us a tweet or send us an email. I didn't mention that one earlier. That's shotcallershow at gmail dot com. Uh, send us a message on there. And let's go ahead and move on to the Milwaukee Bucks, who welcomed into Pfizer Forum the New Orleans Pelicans, <laughs> led mm-hmm. by the OG Stan Van Gundy, the older of the Van yeah. Gundy brothers, or is he the younger mm-hmm. one? That doesn't matter now. Kyle, you had a summary for us. What happened in this game so our, we can fill in the listeners? All right, going into this game, you know, Bucks recently had a, a five-game losing streak, and going into this game, they had a three-game winning streak. Uh However, they were on against lesser-rated opponents, uh, bottom of the Western Conference, and Pelicans are looking to build some momentum uh, going into the playoffs or 
trying to get a higher seed to make maintain uh that they get into the what is it called the uh, play-in tournament play-in play-in tournament mm-hmm. yeah there you go uh and it was it was a fight it was back and forth uh the commentators were saying that it was there's no defense being shown i mean obviously both these teams weren't aren't the best at defense i mean milwaukee has been uh the past couple of years they've been one of the better teams on defense however this year they're, they're just average uh but yeah this was a a slug fight uh, zion obviously a truck you know in the first half went off for 24 points uh Colin Zion, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but Colin Zion a truck yeah. is a disservice to <laughs> Zion. Like Zion is like a fire truck, and the reason I say that is because a fire truck, when it turns, <laughs> it turns with its back wheels too. It can make a tighter turn than regular trucks uh, can that you wouldn't expect. I didn't know that. Yeah, now you know. And Zion <laughs> can suddenly turn in the lane. Like sudden is the word. Like he's here, then he's there, and he's 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 mm-hmm. jumping in this. Like, how do you jump in an arc like this? Like he yeah. jumps in in curved arcs like an orbit. Like he's like an asteroid going around. And his second jump. <laughs> going yeah, and his second jump. He, yeah, like yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's insane. Uh, I just mm-hmm. want to say that you're discrediting. Nah, he, he's he's <laughs> no he. Okay, well let me read her. Uh, he's a truck with like so much finesse like <laughs> it's it's crazy he you know he went off in the uh, first half and it was back and forth between uh, him and Giannis uh, for the most part and then in the second half it it remained close Zion slowed down uh but Giannis continued and Chris Middleton uh stepped up and went down to the wire uh and I believe the Pelicans just misplayed like the very last play of the game where they could have tied it up if they just uh, taken a quicker shot uh, and the Bucks ended up uh, winning this game. And what, what are y'all thoughts? What stood out to y'all? I think you're. Oh, go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Robin. I've been hogging the airwaves. What, what stood out to you, Robin? Uh, the defense, man. There was no defense to be found. They started playing defense in the fourth quarter. Felt like an all-star game. I don't know what I was watching, but it was entertaining <laughs> for me. So I, I would go with no defense all day, especially in the regular season. I get it. But what stood out to me last week when it was me and Kyle. I said that Chris Middleton needed to do more every night. From the bubble, he needs to do what he was doing. Those 30-point games need to be more consistent if they want to take that next step. And today, he showed me, Robin, shut up. I can do it. So that's what i like to see. Uh, Chris Middleton and Giannis being that duo they need to be every night. Um, and then for the Pelicans, I think they're going to be a scary team for the future with Zion, Ingram, and Lonzo Ball can hit threes all of a sudden. It's it's gonna be fun to watch for them. That's that's what kind of just stood out just watching the game to me. Uh yeah, and the no defense just to add on, like, you know, someone might say, Oh, there was a hand in his face when he was shooting the shot. There's defense. Mm. Neither mm. team had to go to a second action at any point during the first three yeah. and a half quarters of this game. They ran their little baby pick and roll, not even a pick and roll, they stepped into their first three and nobody had to put their dribble back, you know, uh put their shot back down and pass to another player. The first shot that anyone decided to rise up on, they got to take it, you know, no problem. There was no have, no need to form a secondary action. And I kind of wonder, uh, Kyle mentioned that at the end of his summary, and we're going to talk about the end of the game because it was the most climactic part, although mm-hmm. there were several peaks and valleys during the during that broadcast, especially when Zion is concerned. Uh, mm-hmm. But that last, that last sequence where they got the steal on the inbounds, the, the ideal yeah. situation that... It's like a dream scenario. You don't need to play the foul yeah. game. You get the steal, and you can tie mm-hmm. with a three, I think is what it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, three points down. Uh, Zion kind of rips the ball away, gets a steal. They go forward, and they kind of play hot potato. Ingram wasn't ready mm-hmm. to take a three at that juncture. They said, okay, there's a little more time. They kind of swing it around to whoever was left on the, who was left on the floor at the time. I think it was Bledsoe. Uh, Lonzo, uh, Josh Hart. Josh Hart. Josh Hart. Yeah, Lonzo Ball was out there as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, either guys were covered by the Bucks, and they swung it back around to Ingram, who drove towards the rim. Kind of how I didn't I didn't really get why I was driving to the rim, maybe going for an and mm-hmm. one. Maybe a kick out is what he was thinking. Yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. – um, Right there to take a charge was Dante DiVincenzo, I believe, mm-hmm. who we buried in this summary had a career night tonight. Uh, he did. He got the he got the uh, he got the charge and and sealed the game up for the Bucks. What an electric feeling! If the fans were in the building, like they would have erupted, I believe, at that moment on a defensive yeah. play. Uh, shout mm-hmm. out to DiVincenzo. Let me pull up his stat line for him right now. He obviously wins this game. Thirty-four minutes playing point guard, handling the rock. 
uh, running the pick and roll with Giannis for Giannis. 24 points, 7 rebounds, 9 assists. 9. Uh, mm. 2 steals, oh, wow. 1 block, uh, 56% shooting, 57% from 3. So overall, just the game of his life so far. And mm. you got to wonder if he can have uh, performances kind of like that for the Bucks. That is exactly what they wanted. And especially if they're missing Drew Holiday. Like, just when you yeah. compare something like that, back him backing up someone like Drew Holiday, when just one year ago, DiVincenzo wasn't playing this way, wasn't handling the ball so mm-hmm. much, and they had Eric Bledsoe on the other side, the guy that missed a three off the back off the side of the backboard today, yeah. like, yeah. what an yeah. upgrade. <laughs> that can take them to the Eastern Conference Finals right there. They can get someone mm-hmm. that can handle the ball, play alongside Drew Holiday. They got Chris Middleton right there. Brooke Lopez can space to the floor from three. Get all the rebounds, get the box out so Giannis can get rebounds, and then Giannis, you know, he can be a key to it. He can be a key to them advancing. But we're that's me taking it outside the scope of just this game. Uh, what did a uh, what what else uh, stood out to you guys? Yeah, I mean, like you said, DiVincenzo, like he he's probably my MVP for the game. You know, he had a he had a great scoring night, uh, and he sealed it up at the end of the game with with that charge play, really smart. And if you can get quality minutes out of him when Drew Holiday comes back, they're definitely a much better threat uh, to other teams in the East. Uh, also, about Brandon Ingram, I, f- I feel like he was really passive uh, on shooting threes today. Uh, I saw him pass up a lot of three-point attempts uh, uh, in favor of trying to go for a post-up or, or go into a pick-and-roll or, or something like that. And uh, I... And also in that second half, Lonzo was pretty quiet as well. Like uh, in that final play, like he was the most uh, open out of all the players. And when they pass it off uh, and they tried to swing it back to him, uh, time almost ran out. Uh, I, I believe they, they would have ran out of time before before they got the shot up or it would have been really close. So I, I feel like they, they could have taken a little bit more chances uh, on shots for three, but they, they kept it close the whole time anyway. I think, uh, sorry, I was going to say real quick, I think Ingram needs to go back to that mid-range game. He was one for ten for threes today. I think the yeah. three's in his bag, but anytime I watch the Pelicans play, it, his mid-range jumper is like silky smooth. It's one of the best in the NBA. I think mm. to take ten three-pointers for Ingram, that, that doesn't need to happen. He needs to go in the mid, he needs to get in his bag, hit those mid-range jumpers and do his thing, kick it out. Um, and also, they need to run more for being – a young team only having five fast break points. There was no defense being played today at all. So I think they could have ran a little bit more because when they get into that half court set, it's going to be two things. It's going to be a pick and roll with Ingram or it's going to be throw it to the post and Zion and let him just go to work. And I think teams are going to slowly start to figure that out. They're obviously not going to shut down Zion because it's kind of hard to do, but they can definitely run a little bit more, open up the offense and it'll help them out in the long run. Yeah, and so you were you guys were talking about his mid-range game. He is silky smooth. He's really improved it. He shoots it. He's the only person I believe he's behind as far as efficiency from the mid-range outside the paint, but uh, inside the three-point line, he's only behind Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is, is the biggest anomaly there, and that's a credit to Joel Embiid, but that's his move, and Ingram doesn't prefer to shoot threes. He's a little bit more like LeBron, you know, in previous mm-hmm. seasons, and he's yeah. got the, the footwork of somebody kind of like Kevin Durant with his really tall frame able to get a shot up over everyone. That's kind of what I thought led to the decision making at the end of the at the final possessions of the game. But mm-hmm. um I just wanted to say my pay my respects to Josh Hart. How does he get stuck guarding Giannis and Brooke Lopez? Yeah. Like come on. Uh-huh. Uh I mean, so depending on Zion's going to guard the biggest guy on the floor depending on what lineup they have out there. Like who are you gonna, who else are you going to put on him? You know, Brandon Ingram is like as thin as a twig. But Josh Hart is like six foot four, you know, trying to guard Giannis and doing his best. But you know, that's the guy. Yeah, yeah. That's the guy from the memes where there's that one guy that's taking all the arrows while the other guy sleeps. Like, oh. that's that meme. <laughs> I know uh, what you're talking that's about. That's Josh Hart. He's taking the arrows. Yeah. Man. Like, Giannis is gonna, is gonna get his 31 points, and unfortunately, uh, Josh Hart's gonna be in all the posters. He might even get dunked over the way that Tim Hardaway Jr. was dunked over by Giannis at one time. So just want to <laughs> pay my respects to uh, to Josh Hart. He tries hard, plays, uh, shoots from three, and he always yeah. uh, he always gets left hanging on the high fives. Everyone knows him for that in all the Instagram videos yeah. too. So that's my other little contribution to that one. 
Um, and they only played eight guys this game, as far as the Pelicans go. I mean, you don't always want to go nine deep, but they don't have Nikhil Alexander-Walker available, and they had a, a, a appearance from Willie Hernan Gomez, who was positive yeah. in his 20 minutes. Ten points, yeah. five rebounds. Uh, yeah, he played really solid. No turnovers, you know, in the post, even with those, all those all those long arms existing, not really reaching, but existing, no turnovers. So I wonder if that's something that can be replicated. And it kind of feels like, at times, Stan Van Gundy and the Pelicans are kind of wondering what their best lineup is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, J.J. Redick wasn't super hot tonight, whereas normally he's kind of more automatic for... He used to average 15 yeah. points when he was on the Clippers, and that's, you know... Five attempts from three, and or not five, five makes from three, but 10 or 12 attempts where, you know, just him being on the floor commands so much attention and doesn't seem to be that way. I wonder if he's uh, totally healthy. It's, it's hard. It's hard to know. Uh, I wonder if the uh, if the Pelicans can bust into the play-in tournament or, or, or what's going to happen at the end of the season. But I'm kind of I'm kind of confused. You don't know what's going to happen with these guys from night to night. Mm-hmm. What did we uh, all say on the, on our lines tonight? What were the picks, Robin? Uh, me and you got it right. We picked Bucks. Kyle picked the Pelicans. And the and yeah. the Bucks were favored, right? It was. Uh... Yeah, the it was the Bucks were favored. It was minus nine. Oh yeah. Was... Yeah. So I technically, you know, I I got it right according to the betting odds. You yeah. Know. If we're going by the odds. But, yeah, yeah. If yeah. we're going by the odds, you got it right actually. So you're actually. Yeah. So Kyle's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, just to say real quick, Kyle was the one that said let's just do picks, and me and you were like, well, let's do odds. So well, Kyle, I, this actually worked in your favor. You're right. I I didn't know about odds. I I didn't I didn't get it at first, but y'all explained it to me, so it makes more sense to me now. But yeah, I, <laughs> I, I felt it was I felt it was a safe bet. Like the three wins that uh, Milwaukee just came off of uh, after losing five straight was Sacramento, OKC, and uh, I believe Minnesota. Like they're the bottom of the Western Conference. They're they should be like a top two team, top three team in the East. So they should be beating those guys. Uh, so it, it wasn't really saying much to me that they beat those guys uh, coming off a five game losing streak. Uh, and you know, the Pelicans, they, they can uh, go back and forth. You know, their defense isn't great, but their offense is pretty good despite their spacing. Uh, you are talking about Brandon Ingram uh, not shooting very many mid-range. I I would blame that on their spacing, like with yeah. Zion and, and Steven Adams in there, uh, uh, Hernan Gomez. Like, you know, they, they don't space the floor out that well, and if they're – Shooting inside the three-point line, they're getting shots like at the basket. So, uh, and then on top of that, like in the second half, Milwaukee did uh, make some really good uh, defensive adjustments for Zion because they they played huge. Like they played Bobby Portis, uh, Brook Lopez, and Giannis. So they they built the wall pretty much for for your uh zion and it didn't matter he's still <laughs> rising up over three dudes like that guy is too quick he's yeah, just gonna yeah. jump faster than they can jump even Giannis. like it's crazy did you mm. see the tomahawk finger roll that this man yeah, did yeah, that, was nice. that. That, <laughs> was nice. that was that was nice that was insane like and and uh-huh. you know man just like i have so many so many you know notations in here starting with zion especially in the second and third quarters mm. um that giant block on DiVincenzo, the the golden boy for the Bucks tonight. Yeah, <laughs> Zion blocked him. Zion scored on three bucks tonight. Zion was Volleyball so efficient. Spike. And people want to say that, uh, that of course that you know the spacing could be better because Stephen Adams is mm. out there. One, that's true. Sure, probably. You know, if they had Brook mm. Lopez on the Bucks, they're, they're on the Pelicans, <laughs> they they would space it. It would be better. But I don't feel as though um, Stephen Adams is actively hindering. Zion or Brandon Ingram because they those yeah. two guys are uniquely skilled into not mm-hmm. really caring about how the defense is going because of their unique attributes with uh, Brandon Ingram's length and Zion's mm-hmm. insane athleticism. Uh, and then another shout out to Stephen Adams like is he the best intentional free throw misser of all time? Like because we might <laughs> remember the the one where he missed the three the free throw on purpose and tossed uh-huh. it back out to Russell Westbrook who made three to tie the game against Denver I think in that mm-hmm. triple double average clinching MVP season a few years ago mm-hmm. but just tonight he made the first three he made the first uh, free throw missed a free throw went right to him and he laid it yeah. right in like 
That guy, uh, Aquaman, he might be the number one free throw misser in NBA history. And if he is, he deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame. So. Yeah, I, I think New Orleans, like, they, they have uh, great defensive players. Like, uh, Zion, I think, is solid on defense. You know, he, he's not the best yet. Yeah, maybe he needs to work on his positioning a little bit. Yeah. But Steven Adams, I think, had... Uh, played a great defensive game against Giannis. Uh, Josh Hart is good on defense. Uh, Lonzo Ball is great on defense. Oh, yeah. he, he's oversized for a point guard. Uh, and Stan Van Gundy is a, a defensive-minded uh, coach as well. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of odd to me that, that they're not good on defense. Uh, but I, I'm sure that has uh, something to do with getting used to the system and, and the new players that have come into the lineup. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of shuffling of parts around, and and you know, mm. every team has excuses just like this, especially this season. Mm. This is a season yeah. from yeah. hell for a lot of teams, yeah. but it just seems as though they're not always on the same page as far as who should be rotating where, whether they're switching this coverage or that coverage, and you don't really see guys talking on the defensive end the way that you can actually catch mm. teams ta- talking, especially mm. in the bubble where the microphones are there and you can hear guys yelling. You hear Rajon Rondo on Atlanta calling out <laughs> defensive coverages. You hear him when he was on the Lakers, too. Um, Jalen Brunson, like I mentioned, I can see him yelling at Willie Cauley's sign. It was on offense, but still different. Mm-hmm. And that's something mm-hmm. that you think you want to instill and a reason that you know teams will pay top dollar for guys like Tyson Chandler um, and other big centers that, that can coordinate something like that. And uh, unfortunately, it doesn't seem that that's the case for them at the moment. Uh, so yeah. I, I wonder what's going to happen. And uh, I like seeing Stan Van Gundy's teams play, so I hope he can figure it out and they can figure it out. So uh, That's all I got for before that. We, before we wrap it up, can we give a shout-out to Giannis's free throw shooting? Shooting 80% oh, yeah. tonight, 8 for yeah. 10. His three-point, I don't know, especially that one he shot pretty deep thinking he was Curry. I don't know what that was about. Yeah, that uh, was the time was running out, guys. There <laughs> was a one was second funny. on the clock. <laughs> that was really okay. funny. He he, he was deep. He out. was yeah. deep. He there was, was one second deep. on the clock. <laughs> he could have taken like one more step in. Seconds, he was dribbling for a couple seconds. Anyways, yeah. but you talking about Zion? The, Giannis did go for thirty-eight, and then Middleton did go for mm-hmm. thirty-one. Both shooting fourteen shots over fifty percent. That's I mean that's a dynamic duo right there. That's gonna get him mm-hmm. to that Eastern Conference Finals. So you're saying Bucks, Sixers, Eastern you know, Conference I'm Finals? Saying if they, I'm saying if if that's how Giannis and Middleton play, that that's that's what they're gonna need to do. And mm. all their starters at least scored 12 points, so they need that the other guys to score. But Middleton and Giannis, or Giannis is gonna come in and score whatever he needs to do, as long as he can make his free throws and Middleton can step up and stay aggressive. I believe last week he took like 12 shots. Tonight he took 24. Mm. He needs mm. to stay that aggressive that they want yeah. to make it that far. Yeah. I just don't know what they're going to do about Eric Bledsoe, man, on the Pelican side. I know <laughs> you were just talking about the uh, Bucks, but I'm just looking at the box score. And just Eric Bledsoe, he had 16 points, but did did feel like he impacted the game in any real way, like during the entire really. contest. Like, he's got to do it on defense. That's, that's his calling card, his stout frame, able mm-hmm. to switch on defense, guard bigger players. Um... I just don't know what they're going to do. Like the the Bucks look as though they have benefited from jettisoning him from the state of Illinois. Where's Milwaukee? Is it in Michigan, Illinois? Minnesota. Illinois, Minnesota. It's an Illinois Kyle. <laughs> M- Milwaukee? Yeah. That's not Illinois. It's Wisconsin, ain't it? Wisconsin. Or Wisconsin. You guys are Wisconsin. So dumb. We're all wrong. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, don't say all wrong. Don't say all wrong. Oh my god. This guy's oh, from Minnesota. This guy's out of Illinois. <laughs> oh, man. The, the reason that I said Illinois is because Chicago and, yeah. and Milwaukee have like a rivalry, you know? So, yeah. But yeah. it's because they share a lake, right? Lake yeah. something. They're, they're bordering states, or they're like bordering states. I yeah, so that's what, that's what tripped me out. But this man over here said Minnesota. Yeah. We're going to move. We're that, gonna... That, that is not worse okay. than <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move Who on. Who was teacher? That's my question. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Hardy <laughs> out there. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so with that geographic lesson on the contiguous uh, 48 United States, mm-hmm. I believe that can bring the end of this particular recap. 
Uh, unless you had a final thing, who's your final winner of the game or the worst performer of the game for you guys? Uh, I, I was actually going to say uh, Eric Blitzo. Uh, he had a chance to tie up the game or, yeah, I believe tie up the game uh, with a three-point uh, three point attempt like uh, in the last like minute or two of the game. And they got, they got really lucky because they had Brook Lopez closing out pretty slowly and it just ended up rooming out and that, that could have Turn the tide of the game, but stuff happens. <laughs> Robin. Oh, sorry. okay. Uh, my bad. I was, you said the the best player, or you said like the best the top or player, the worst player, whichever one you uh, want. Oh, man, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Nico Middleton. As much hate as I gave him last week, what he did today: seven boards, six assists, fourteen for twenty-four, thirty-one points, and even on defense, like he was switching, he was communicating, uh, taking the ball down the court. Just being like a leader they need. I think he's finally embraced that role. Uh, it's going to be more important for him. Anybody can do this a couple nights here and there, but for him to kind of do this every night, uh, or not even score 30 points a night, but just make an actual impact on the game. Like Bledsoe, as you said, did not really make a positive impact. He made kind of no impact. But for Milton, he's going to need to make an impact, whether it's scoring, rebounds, assists, defense. Uh, tonight was a good night. I think Giannis is going to do what he's going to do with 38 points, sure. But Middleton is the one that won him the game. To me, at least. I could be wrong. And I already ripped on, on Bledsoe. I'm just going to mm-hmm. re- remind everyone that he hit the side of the backboard on that three-point attempt in the second quarter. He did. Pandemic P. <laughs> and what, pandemic P? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. That, oh, I guess he could have that shot named after him. Huh. Yeah. Good one. So, looking ahead... Next Thursday, March the 4th, which is actually my birthday. Shout-outs to, you know, all the the Pisces gang out here. Uh, <laughs> we are going to be watching. Uh, it doesn't have the TNT schedule. We actually don't know what, what games they're going to pick for that one. So we will let you guys know via Twitter. That's hmm. Shot Caller Show, at Shot Caller Show. Instagram, at Shot Caller Show, the exact same handle. Uh, are there any closing thoughts before I give everyone our podcast names? Anything y'all want to say to the people? Uh, yeah, actually, I have a quick question for y'all. Uh, Kyrie Raving has been uh, going viral about this recently, but uh, about Kobe Bryant being the logo. Uh, what do you? What are y'all's thoughts about it? Should Should Kobe be the logo? You gonna go, Rich? I guess uh, you're gonna pay me out as a bad person if I say no. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't be the logo. But the general scheme right now, like if you ask the NBA today, who's the logo? They're actually going to say that no one is the logo, that it's an amorphous person that is a general representation when we all know that it really is Jerry West because there's a photo that you can see that looks like it. Mm -hmm. But that's their official stance. So whether it's an amorphous person, they're not going to change that for one person. You know, it already represents everyone that has played or is going to play in the NBA. Or if it's already a person then why would you take it away from Jerry West? So I don't think that would happen. However, of course, I do think uh, Kobe had a great, enriching, fulfilling career that affected a lot of player, a lot of people on and off the court. You can see that in all of his, you know, all the reach just on social media. Um, they did award the All-Star Game, you know, award MVP after him. So I think mm-hmm. that was a really great tribute. And not to say that, that there couldn't be more, but I am happy that that happened. Um, I don't, they were talking about changing the logo to LeBron in the year 2009. <laughs> uh, mm. And I wasn't down with it then. So, you know, 2009 me is telling me that I got to stick with them and say they shouldn't change it now either. So that was uh, 12 years ago. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of in that same, in the same shoes. Uh, obviously, I would love for it to be Kobe, you know, especially the career he had and then the past year, everything he went through. Um but I kind of just like it how it is. I mean, obviously, it's Jerry West, but as you said, it could kind of be anybody. It's kind of that help for all the college players or the high school players that want to make it to the NBA um, to kind of just see a random logo like that. I would like it to be Kobe, but I kind of just like how it is now. If they changed it to Kobe, I wouldn't be mad, but it's not to or something I would kind of push them to change it. Uh, I mean, I kind of think it would be okay to change it like i i, I think uh, changing it could be a good idea uh it in my opinion it's good marketing at the very least like changing changing the whole logo uh 
is kind of a big thing. And I agree with what Kyrie said. Like he said, uh, Black Kings uh, built this league. And uh, Kobe Bryant, you know, with his untimely passing, his reach was immeasurable. It, it He had a, an amazing career and his legacy is is beyond uh, measure. The M- yeah, beyond measure. It's beyond the NBA court, the basketball courts. It, it goes on to just, you know, working hard, uh, having that, that mentality, that Mamba mentality that you got to go fight, you got to go get it, you got to do whatever it takes and, and, and don't give up. And, and I believe it would be a good symbol to, to for the NBA to represent. Well, that's definitely something that I can get behind your feelings for sure. So I can definitely mm-hmm. see why you think that. And I want to know what our listeners think. So if y'all want to chime mm-hmm. in on that, we'll put, we'll put a yeah. poll up. Let's put a poll up on that one. See see yeah. the response that we get on that on Twitter. Mm-hmm. We'll have that poll up, yeah. put it up for a couple of days, see what everyone says. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you have another question or anything else to add? Robin, you got anything? Uh, our picks for the Thursday games next week will be up before. So just letting them know. So, mm-hmm. you know, Kyle's obviously up one right now. I'll catch up soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kyle, you got anything else to add? Nah, that, that's all I wanted to say. That's all I got, too. And so please expect all that from us on social media. Please interact. Please tell your friends that like the NBA or don't like the NBA. Maybe they'll like it after they tune into our show just one time. Uh, that they can follow us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Breaker, Pocket Cast, anywhere that podcasts are bought and sold for free. You will find us. Just search Shot Caller Show. Thank you for watching on YouTube. That's going to be, uh, you know, search up the Shot Callers NBA podcast and you'll find us on your YouTube feed. Please like, please subscribe, and then follow us on the social media channel and email inbox at Shot Caller Show on Instagram and Twitter. And then on Gmail, it's Shot Show at gmail.com. Uh, so I'm Rich for Kyle, for Robin. Thank you all for joining us this week. It's been a blast and I can't wait to do it again. Uh, we are the Shot Callers, and we will see you guys next time.